With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's another new week, which of course means a new gig pod. I'm Stevie and this is episode 159 of the Glasgow's Green podcast and we're going to be covering Hearts Nil, Celtic 3, a result which puts Celtic back to Hamden again under Ange. Crap Celtic pubs, at what stage we want to play Rangers in the Scottish Cup and a quick look ahead to Saturday with Hibs. But before that, Rizzo, thank you for the lunch on Saturday. Um, to anyone who is unfamiliar with us, I won our shoot bet in the winter prediction competition. So I decided to go for the five tapas for £19 and a pint at O'Neill's, which was truly spectacular. It was the one at Grand Central as well. It's turned into a bit of a lucky omen for us as well, hasn't it, Rizzo? Will we do one again next season? Hello, everyone. Hello, Stevie. Yes, we will. Hopefully, uh, I'll win it this time. And you bought me mad in our last season and O'Neill's at Central as well. So that must be our, not only the lucky pub, but that's also the bait pub as well. So hooray for O'Neill's, a great establishment. And later on we'll be talking about establishments which aren't as great as O'Neill's. Anyway, we'll get right to the point. We're going to be talking Hearts nil, Celtic 3 and Saturday. Now I did the 67 Hail Hail reaction with Hamish, but as always, gig pod listeners who might have missed that. Can hear what Rizzo and myself have to say about it. I am famously uh, nervous when it comes to games at Tynecastle, and if you look at our results there under the manager, pretty much every game has always been decided by a goal. On this occasion, though, and Rizzo, you can back me up. I did text you. I did predict it. I said about quarter past eleven, an hour before kick off, that we were going to win three 0 and that was down to the fact that I saw our team. I was 50-50 on Moy and Awata, but as always, Ange knows best and played Moy, and he was outstanding. Um, on Saturday but a lot of that was also to do with the fact that Hearts were missing Shankland, Snodgrass and they didn't start Devlin just when you look at that Hearts lineup when they tweeted it out it, it was very toothless while you looked at that Celtic lineup, 
Um, and it was the complete opposite. And that's the way the first half turned out. That's the way the game turned out, wasn't it, John? But uh, we both agreed before the game that Celtic were going to stroll it. And they did. Yeah, I mean, before the game, I was confident we'd win in the lead up because I thought Celtic would be spurred on by the guff that Robbie Nielsen was speaking before the game. So I thought we'd win. And then as soon as I saw the Hearts team, foot, which is basically the two best players, Snodgrass and Shanklin, Shanklin especially, who scored a hat trick against us last year in the 4-3 win, I thought we were just going to stroll it. And then we got off to the perfect start, of course. Like, well, you could tell we were up for it, but we had two shots in like the first minute of the game. Hitai had that effort that was well saved, and then McGregor put one over the bar, and then we scored a minute after that. So you knew that we were going to be up for it, like to prove a point that we are the best team in Scotland, which we are, and it proved to Robin Nielsen that maybe he should stop talking guff before games about how brilliant hearts are and how they don't get players sent off, etc, etc. But no, I was fully confident with the win. Right, well, before we talk about the game, John, I did say to everyone, I predicted it. I said it was going to be 3-0, so please back me up. Don't make me out to be a liar here. No, you did. You texted me and said it'll be 3-0. You are a genius of some sorts. But no, I mean, before the game, you were, as you are, I think, about every Celtic game, nervous about it. But I've said it a million times in this podcast, have faith in this Celtic team. They're they don't take things lightly. They're up for every game. They know what to do. They know the job to do. And I knew we'd be professional and get the job done. And you were right, though. You should have put money on it, to tell you the truth. Not that we would encourage gambling, of course. A terrible, terrible thing, unless you win money. But no, you were right. And, I mean, Hartslet had one real chance, and Hart made that brilliant save, like, down his post. No, we were comfortable, really, and it was an, an excellent performance. You know... That's one of the things that I noticed throughout the game. And you could probably look at Robbie Nielsen there in terms of the fact that he was... In fact, he wasn't even late to changing it. He didn't change it. Like Celtic were rampant down that right-hand side with Alistair Johnston. Brilliant again. And you had Jota too, just terrorising. Yeah, I think it was Kingsley, wasn't it? At the left wing-back row. I think it was... I was It was Kingsley and Rose as well. Both of them were just getting torn apart by Jota, uh, Johnston, and also Moy. He was like interchanging out towards that right as well. And, you know, if you're Robbie Nielsen there, you know, you're moving from that 3 5 1 1 formation. You're maybe putting five in defence and then putting four midfield and you're doubling up there so that it's not that easy for Celtic. But he just didn't have any answer to it. Um, I can, you know, see why a lot of Hearts fans are scurred with him tactically because up against Celtic and, of course, Rangers, it's well documented, John, that he has a complete jobber. That said, I just thought Celtic were absolutely brilliant. They had the right attitude. They from the off, they just looked as if they were on it. Adam Moy John in those first ten minutes. And it was quite funny because I did say to you, think about a tweet out on Friday. Well, Adam Moy played eighty odd minutes against Hearts midweek, and I thought, I think the manager will probably introduce Moy um, in the second half because I don't know if he's going to start with him when he played eighty minutes. And yeah, again. Makes me out to be a clueless idiot, John, because his fitness is just incredible now. I know Hamish was saying on his video today that, you know, when it comes to the Player of the Year nominations, those first three months that Moy missed out on might go against him when it comes to the Celtic players that are going to be in the shortlist at the end of the season. But honestly, I think if Moy keeps this up, he's in with a shout because he's just been utterly, utterly brilliant. I mean, there's not a lot of players that could have just cushioned that past Sander Clark and made that look so effortless. He just made that look so easy when a lot of players would have probably ballooned that or not connected with it. It's important to talk about that finish with Moy because I don't want it to be understated and I don't want it to be forgotten about down the line. After the first like two minutes or so, when that makes it 1-0, 
Hearts who packed out their ground and and in the end, um, it looked as if Tynecastle was actually up for it. They must have been deflated when they seen the start we made, and it was symptomatic, I guess, of the gulf between the two sides and the ruthlessness in front of goal. Also, so just how good a goal scorer Moy is now, because if you remember the four three game at Tynecastle back, I think October, October, November, Moy was absolutely brilliant that day, but he missed an absolute sitter for us, like practically. Similar sort of effort. He said they put it wide a goal when it looked easily to score. No, but this, of course, was completely different. Like, so early in the game as well. He took it so well with one touch. And he's such, and we've talked about him endlessly in the podcast, rightfully so, because he's a brilliant player. And I think Hamish is probably right about the player of the year thing, I think. Because he didn't really get going until towards the end of the year, that'll rule him out of probably a player of the year. Like, main contention, and I think the player who is player of the year scored for us as well. No, we've raved about Moy and I can understand why you were maybe hesitant about him playing so soon after playing 80 minutes against Hearts. And of course, in the game in Madrid against Hearts, he had another a big impact in the game with that brilliant pass. But no, Moy is fantastic and it really was a good goal. Okay, it was bad defending by Rolls. Certainly wasn't Rolls-Royce defending. Am I right, folks? But uh, we took advantage of that. Good play by Jota, who I thought was back to something like his best. And that was just an exceptional finish by Adam Moy. And what a great player he is. And hopefully like, he signs that extension. He gave him another year at Celtic. I think his contract finishes at the end of next season. But if we give him another year extended, like, okay, that'll make him like 34, 35. But he's earned it because he's been so good for us. Before we touch on Joe Hart and his big save, John, I mean, that finish as well by Kyogo, as much as Moy's finish was a cracker, Kyogo, the improvisation to throw that one past Clark, that was just sublime. Johnston, who was absolutely superb, putting a great ball down the right, and uh, Kyogo, as he has been doing all season now, making me and John look like idiots that don't know what we're talking about after we criticised him pretty relentlessly, although constructively, when he missed that sitter up at Petodre, he's just went from strength to strength since then, hasn't he, John? And what a finish that was on Saturday. It killed the game, and Hearts had no way back into that match, especially when Joe Hart denied them like a few minutes earlier. And we didn't even get that penalty as well. So what were your thoughts on all three of those incidents uh, in the next few minutes? Well, the penalty everybody seems to have forgot about because we were so like rampant in the win. But I think with a tackle on Johnson, that was a stonewall penalty that I don't even think Val looked at so... Just when we thought we were not going to talk about VAR for an episode, yes, we need to talk about VAR. Uh, as ever, wasn't very good. And I mean, I know that the brave Kevin Clancy was the referee, but it wasn't very good, as ever. Joe Hart, I mean, we've been critical of him in the past, but I thought it was a brilliant save down to the corner. I mean, he had to be quick to get that. A lot of strength behind the save, and it was an excellent save. And he did get fouled as he like, saved the rebound, but Good old Kevin Clancy didn't give a free kick when it looked obvious that it was a free kick to us. And the goal by Kyogo was just exceptional. I mean, you sort of expect it for him now. It was so quick, the movement, the way he goes into the penalty box. Brilliant pass by Johnson, who I thought had another great game. He's been a brilliant signing. But just to, to mention the criticism we gave Kyogo, I mean, you can say it was deserved, really, because we talked about it on Saturday. I mean, we've talked about this Celtic team and how good it is. I mean, in the Champions League, we were only very good, and Kyogo was partly a reason for that. I mean, didn't he play well in the Champions League? He missed some great chances. And the good news is it hasn't affected his confidence. He's playing better than ever. 
and hopefully like he'll have learned lessons for when he's playing the Champions League for his next season. But I mean, we were criticising him, and he was put up at Aberdeen in the first game back after the World Cup. But I mean, we were constructive, and he's proved us wrong, as you say. And hopefully, he continue that for the next three months of the season. As hopefully, we look to win a treble. But no, I mean, Joe Hart, just briefly on him, we have gave him a lot of stick recently. And he's also made us eat a words a wee bit with that save at Tynecastle. He was also excellent in the League Cup semi against Kilmarnock. And we talked about that on Saturday as well in the pub. Joe Hart did well. That's his job, really. He makes saves like that. And I mean, when Celtic... For Celtic, it's a difficult job to be a goalkeeper because for a lot of the time, they've got nothing to do, basically. And that was the same in Saturday. He looked one save to make. It was a difficult save and he made it. So it was a job well done by him. VAR could do better, like, no even checking. I remember they did, we didn't hear about it. But it looked like Stonewall penalty on Johnson. But it didn't affect Johnson because he set up Kyogo's goal with a lovely pass. And it was a typical Kyogo goal, brilliant movement. And that's my shoot opinion on the three big moments for the game. John, thank you. And yes, just to touch on the VAR shout, I remember in real time I said to you and the guys that at Pataudry in 2018, 4-3 game, Izaguirre got penalised for that exact same challenge and Willie Collum was the ref, Willie Collum was on VAR, you know, we didn't bother checking it and I just found that absolutely mystifying. I guess we just laughed about it and then, didn't we? We are past getting angry at that point. Thankfully, didn't come back to bite us or anything and in the second half, Celtic uh, made a change. Carol Starfield went off, uh, there was a bit of an update today from Ange, I think, where he said it's not going to be too long before we see Starfield back in action. Um, Apparently he was uncomfortable before the game, but the manager got him to halftime and decided to put on uh, Kobayashi, who I thought had a really good second half, especially John when, you know, it's all right playing against Morton, playing against St Mirren at home. You've got a lot of space, a lot of time in the ball. Hearts at Tynecastle, 2-0 down. You know what their fans are like and, you know, the way that they can just boot anything that moves as things aren't going away on the pitch. But I thought he dealt with things admirably. I've always said that he's really comfortable in the ball, carries it well and CCV next to him, like even if he was dispossessed and even if uh, he was caught out of position, which was a rarity, CCV's in there to mop up, he's just outstanding, people saying all game that CCV is just an absolute colossus for his, I said he's probably Angie's most important signing, a couple of the guys were saying they think it was Kyogo, CCV got on the score sheet with a well-timed header after Hearts made three subs as well, looking to throw everything at us, and within a few minutes CCV scores, Game over and capped off an excellent display for him. He was my man in the match, but where do you feel CCV is in terms of the most important signings that Ange has made? Jinky's more important than Kyogo or just on a par? I'd say he's probably more important because obviously no disrespect to Kyogo and it has changed a bit now that we, after we sold Jack and Marcus, but when CCV doesn't play, you can really feel the effects in the team. I mean, if you just look back to that Samaran game we lost, we didn't have CCV or Starfield. I ended up losing that game, the only game we've lost in the league this season. I mean, if Kyo goes out, okay, it's a huge blow, but we've usually got guys that can come in and do the job, like even Dyson. I just showed in the past, he can play up front, it's no ideal, but he can do it. And obviously we've got Odell now, he done pretty well when he played up front against Aberdeen last month. So for me, it's definitely CCV's. No, CCV is a sensational player. He's so important to us. It was so vital we got that deal done. And I know he'll end up costing probably about £10 million in total if you count all the add-ons, etc. But it's money well spent. And I mind we were also in a wee bit 
panicked in the summer when the deals to get him and Jota weren't completed. And for me, CCV was always the most important one. I mean, I know Jota's a brilliant player. And on, on his day, he's the best player in Scotland. But we really need CCV. We're not as good as when CCV isn't playing as we are when he's playing. I mean, I know that's stating the obvious, but it's true. And he's just such a good player. And there you go, that goal on Saturday. A long time coming. His first goal of the season. His first goal since that legendary win in Ibrox last season. And they took it very well. And hopefully he can get another few goals between now and the end of the season. And I mean... And Saturday, I know we'll talk about that later, he'll have a big role as well, because like, I would imagine it's him and Kobayashi in defence, and he'll be like the guy in charge, and I'd be confident that he'll be able to see Kobayashi through the game, hopefully with a minimum of us. But no, CCB's a sensational player, and I would imagine that, I know you were talking about player of the year earlier, that he must be favourite to win every player of the year award at the end of the season because he's been so good for us. You know, I've been watching Celtic since first game back in 1993, 1-1 draw against Hibs um, and it was a big Balloonia defender called Stephen Tweed that scored in that game. Uh, that is what CCV is the complete polar opposite of. He's everything you want to see in a defender and he's so dominant, he's so quick. He's a real leader for us as well. I know he's not the captain but he is a natural leader for us at the back um, and I didn't ever think that I would see a better defender than Mark Reaper for Celtic um, when we got him in 1997, but he is just absolutely brilliant and I can't talk him up enough, I really can't. The reason we are in this position, we've conceded the least goals in the league. A lot of that is just down to that defence and that defence is largely successful because we've got CCV in it. doesn't really matter, John, as you say, about the, the 10 million fee because it's just such a good investment. Hope he's here for a few more years to come, but as Ange has said, sorry to put a bit of a gloomy spin on this one. We've got to prepare for our best players leaving. And just hopefully we've got a replacement <laughs> half as good as CCV and we'll be laughing. But anyway, hopefully he's not going to be away anytime soon. Let's talk, John, about the Scottish Cup now. Um, I think you said there's a game on and out. It's Falkirk and there, isn't it? You can tell me the score in a second. But Inverness, Celtic and Rangers are in the Scottish Cup semi-final. In half an hour, the draw is going to be made to see who Celtic get. John, if it comes to it, when do you want Rangers in the final or do you want them in the round before? Well, I was thinking about this for the last while because I think we all knew that Rangers were going to beat Rafe Rovers pretty comfortably and they did. And I'm going to say I'd rather we played them in the semi-final because, I mean, I know, okay, I know where you beat in the semi-final last year. And, I mean, I know if we... Blues in the semi-final this year. I mean, they've practically won the cup anyway because no disrespect to Inverness, Falkirk or Air, whichever of one of those three teams makes it to the final. But Rangers and Celtic are just far better than them and you've got to think they would, unless something utterly bizarre happened, would both of you, Celtic or Rangers, would bump them. And I'd just rather get the game out of the way now because, I mean, if... They ended up beating us in the semi-final and they're playing like Inverness in the final. We could just say, oh, who cares? We beat Inverness. They're going to celebrate that. What does that matter? Well, of course, if we beat them in the semi-final, then we can say, oh, Inverness, what a day this is going to be if we win it. We're going to win the treble. What a day it's going to be. And I, just the thought of playing them in a final in June with like a treble on the line just feels very, very stressful. No, I don't think we'd win the game because, of course, I'd be confident to say that we'd win the game and confident that we'll beat Rangers any time we'll play them this season. Unless something weird happens, we're going to be playing them three times. And I'm confident in this Celtic team that can win all three of those games. 
But I mean, just like I mean, if we go back to the semi, the cup final, couple weeks ago, I wasn't even at the game, and it was a stressful nightmare. You were at the game, and it was very stressful. That was just I was going to say just the league cup, but I mean, obviously, it was a huge game we had to win it. But that was for a trophy in the line with a treble in the line, and how much that would mean to Ange and the team and the fans. And obviously, if we'd have beat Rangers in the final, that would make it one of the best trebles ever, and would no doubt celebrate long into the night. But it would just be too just exhausting and stressful. I mean, I know that's sometimes good in a way, and that's what you want Celtic games to be, like, exciting and up for it and stressful. I mean, obviously, on the other hand, if you get beat, it's an absolute pain in the arse, and it would be if we didn't win, the, if we lost and didn't win the treble. But no, I'd rather play them in the semi-final, because I, I just the, the thought of having to wait until the 6th of June, I think it is, to play Rangers in a final with a treble on the line is just... Too much to hope with, really. And, I mean, obviously, it'd be much more difficult to get a ticket for the final as well if it's Rangers rather than if it's Ebonese or Falkirk. But, no, I think, like, just for stress levels alone, I'd rather play them in the semi-final. And that doesn't mean that the semi-final won't be an absolute stress fest as well, which because it will be, because every time we play Rangers, practically, it's nerve-wrang, even if we're, like, beating them three or four nothing, it's still nerve-wrang in a way. But no, I'd rather play them in the semi-final. I just don't want to play Rangers in the cup final with a treble on the line. No, I don't think we'd win. I just think it'd be far too nervy and, as I've said about 10 times, stressful and no disrespect to Inverness or Falkirk, but if we're playing them in the final, you've got to think that it wouldn't be anything like as nervy. Although, I mean, it's, there still would be well, with a treble on the line, but no, I'd rather play them in the semi-final. Do you agree? Totally agree, John. 100% would have to be the semi-final. Um, I would end up in Arkham with a frenzy that I'd be working myself into and I wouldn't even get to see the game if we were playing them in the final. What a downer it would be to play in that final and have the luck conspire against us and get beat or something. I, I wouldn't be able to handle that. It would ruin the summer. So, yeah, I'd rather the semi-final. And you know what? You're right. If we were playing them in a one-off game at Hamden anyway, we've already beat them. So we've got a psychological advantage here. But... You know my thoughts on them and the luck they get. It'd be far less stressful for me, John. So I semi-final all the way. And I mentioned Arkham there, right? That's a hell on earth, John. It is nothing compared to a certain pub. I'm starting to wonder here, did we mention this pub or not? Because myself and Rizzo, uh, Lewis and Hamish, went to a very well-known Glasgow boozer. Uh, a Tim shop, if you will. And it really is an absolute dive. I don't know why it is so popular. It's a merchant city... I think you already know about what I'm on about. Well, I'm not going to mention it, right, John? Well, um, we'll keep it them because people who frequent the place might listen to this and turn against us, I don't know. But if you do go to this certain bar, what the hell are you playing at? Because, John, it wasn't just me, was it? We had one pint, had to go out of there, and then we went to Beer Cafe where normal service was resumed. Yes, uh, let's just say it's not the best Celtic pub I've been in. And in fact, I went to another pub that I won't name near that pub once which also wasn't a great pub, and I'll never go there again, but... No, I mean, I suppose it's different for, for when I was young, and uh, all, the, all the Celtic pubs are really doing at Celtic Park, and really there's, like, only, like, the Hoops Bar, I think, didn't there? And I don't even know if that's still on. They've not been there for years. And they're mostly now, like, in the Merchant City, and I think that's once we hopefully eventually win the league. I mean, I expect that there'll be another big party there, and... The Hurtson City will be absolutely mobbed and I'll no doubt be an interesting day, but no, it wasn't much better than the known 
Celtic pubs, weirdly. Although, I mean, we have been in Celtic pubs in the past after big Celtic wins and had a great night. I mean, we went to the O'Neill's in Merchant City after the 2-1-1 at Irox last season. Me, you and an unnamed individual ended up there, and that was a great night. But that's obviously far too busy again. Even even podcast heroes like us find it difficult to get in there. Even, you know, you think it would be carried shoulder highs, seeing as how we're heroes of the Celtic fans. But no, that pub we went to, we uh, we won't be going there again, even if we can again anywhere. But no, I wouldn't go back there again, I have to say. It wasn't it wasn't great. Yeah, if only I had a green blazer and I ordered a Venoma, they may have been heralded in there, John. But anyway, I well, let's move away from the, that certain pub, which we definitely would criticise, but we won't name. So on Saturday, we play Hibs, managed by Lee Magic Johnson. Well, they've came in a wee bit of form, although uh, as always as they seem to do, played against Rangers last week and get battered 4-1. Um, but Edinburgh teams are now against Glasgow teams are just getting bodied every time they play, whether that be at their bit of hours. But they come through to Celtic Park and they were one of the few teams to play a bit of football against us early on the season. They get battled 6-1, of course, but they weren't terrible. Celtic were just very clinical. Now, for that game, for an actual preview, I'm going to try and get Tony from the Terrace to do one of our opposition series pods, which uh, Bothwick was doing for the Hearts game, and it was very well received. Thanks for all the nice comments on it. But a quick word or two from yourself on it, Rizzo, before our outro. How do you think that's going to go? It's an important game because it's the last game before the international split. The international split, the last game before the international break. I mean, we're wanting to keep the nine-point lead. Rangers are playing before us yet again. They're playing Motherwell, where I don't think they've lost or dropped points, and 100 years, so I'd imagine the gap will be down to six points. And I mean, the league still isn't one yet, although, look, we're, we're in the home straights. And Ange even said after the game on Saturday, he says, I know it sounds boring, but we're only concentrating on Hibs, no talk at all about the treble. And I'd imagine the team will be well up for it. They know they'll need to get the win. I think Hibs will probably come and play attacking football. I don't know if that's a good idea, though, because we've scored 10 goals against them in two games this season. I don't know. I don't think it'll be easy, especially as we'll need to make at least one change with Starfield being out and Kobayashi will replace him, I'd imagine. Other than that, if Dyson's back, maybe he'll be in the starting lineup. I didn't think Hacks had done absolutely brilliant as his replacement on Saturday, and if Dyson's fit, I'd rather play him. But no, I mean, I fully have confidence in this Celtic team to get the job done and get the winner or put his nine points clear going into the international break and I will make a shoot prediction because I'm not going to be on the pod that you're going to do with Tony for the terrace. I'm going to go for 3-0 Celtic and the day after that I'm going on holiday. So that means I won't be on next week's pod. I'll be you and Spunk phone. How, how will the fans cope? Let's just say I think there'll be a massive party on the 19th of March, put it that way. And it's uh, definitely nothing to do with you going to Berlin. Anyway, thank you for your shoot prediction and thanks for coming on to episode 159, Rizzo. Much appreciated and uh, a bit of a sincere one for me here. But enjoy your holiday. Um, hope you have a good time. And also, while you're at it, you can do the outro, you can plug the competition that we're going to be doing on Instagram. That's the two things we'll ask you to do before you go away on the flight to sunny Germany. So, have a good one. Thank you, brother. I'm sure I will. And um, if I see him doing in a pub or on a Celtic top, I'll say, I do a gig pod. And they'll just look confused, no doubt. So, thanks to everybody for listening. You know where to find us by now on all the usual podcast platforms. You can leave us five stars. You can give us reviews, tell us how great we are, etc., etc. You can follow Stevie on Twitter and on Instagram 
at GigPod and on Instagram. We'll be giving away one copy of our very own, well, he has been on the pod a few times, but he's really 67 Hail Hails. Hamish Carton's book, Never Stop, signed by the great man himself. There you go. Not only is it a free copy of a book which is sold out in Waterstones and Suggy Hall Street, but he's even signed it, which is a collector's item. So we'll be doing that competition this week to win a copy of Never Stop, the story of and just time at Celtic. Last season is really way by Hamish and it is a good read. So whoever wins that'll be lucky. And as Stevie says, the pod should be back with an opposing force episode with Tony from the Terrace talking about the upcoming game against Hibs. And then next week, Stevie and Spunk will be back with a review of the Hibs game while I'm in rainy Berlin. So thanks everybody for listening. Good luck to Celtic at the weekend and hail hail. Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.